Good morning. My name is David, and I'm going to be delivering what is hopefully a short message to you this morning. Um, so, God loves you. God loves me. He loves all of us. And I felt like that was important to say because James has written... Um, Quite a few times throughout the letter, and as we've been going through the series, he says things like, here's how your behavior should be. Here's what faith should look like. It should, it should produce results in your life. There are things that you should do as a Christian. But something that's really, really important to remember, and it's something that's very, very easy to forget, is that we can't do that by trying harder. We can't speak better or, or speak more kindly by trying harder. We can't behave more like Jesus by trying harder. That's more or less what, what uh, the Hebrews were trying to do up until the point Jesus showed up. By trying harder, they were trying to please God. So what Jesus and what James and what all the other writers in the Bible are saying when they say, here's how Christians ought to behave, what they're saying is this is how Jesus ought to be shining through you. And that's not done by trying harder. Jesus died so that he could purchase our hearts and show himself through us. So it's much more about letting him do his thing and allowing him to fill us so he comes out. Much more about that than it is about putting our effort into it. So that's, that's a very important point as we go really into any of these messages. Um, so, uh, this message is, if you want to put that slide up, it is titled, What Are You Saying? Which is kind of like the last time I got up here, the message was, Are You Listening? So this is kind of a continuation of that, so I'm just going to give you a quick summary of that message before we go into this one. On the next slide. Okay, so we covered a few things. First, we covered that God's words when he speaks in creation and really throughout all time have infinite thought behind them remember he said let there be light and there was light he said let essentially he said let there be plants and there was every kind of plant he said something very simple but it carried such weight of meaning and so much thought behind it that it produced everything we see on this earth and in this universe and basically james was challenging us to put a similar kind of thought into our words. Although we can't put an infinite amount of thought in our words, um, we have, if we believe in Christ, we have the spirit in us to give real meaning and thought to our words. We're not speaking thoughtlessly. And then we talked about how, really, James said we need to listen more. And especially not just not talking, but listening Right? We, uh, I told you a story about how my sister-in-law said that modern conversation is just people waiting for the other person to shut up so they can start talking. Right? But what James is challenging us to do is to listen. And even if that means sacrificing the thought that we wanted to get out, we really, really pay attention to what the person talking to us is saying. And then, of course, that means talking less, which we covered. Largely because every word we say is important and ought to carry weight behind it. And even if it means there are awkward pauses, or you're, because you're considering the answer to a question, uh, instead of just filling space with words like we want to in this culture, 
James is saying, speak less. Speak more carefully. Because among other things, what you say will have more impact. And then he said, be angry less. Um, largely because, and he concludes, he concludes his statement, uh, we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger because the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. There is a righteous anger, but the anger of man that causes us to speak out of turn, that causes us to speak angrily at people, will not cause people to see Jesus and will not cause them to change their behavior. It's just going to make them feel bad and get defensive. So that's why we listen more, we talk less, and we should be angry less. So now we're going into this kind of a conclusive statement that James is making. He's talked quite a bit about how we use our words throughout this letter, but he makes a concluding statement regarding this um, in James 5.12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. So, let's cover the first part of that. But above all, James is not saying this is the most important thing as a Christian for you to do. That's the great commandment, which Jesus says is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. The second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. We break it down to love God, love others. James is not making an umbrella statement above everything, this is a concluding statement to what he said before regarding how we use our words. So let's go a few verses back. The next slide. Uh, this is uh, 7 through 11 of the same chapter. James says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. So that's what he's saying just before the verse we're covering today. We'll talk about the suffering of Job. We'll talk about all that uh, later, I believe. What I'm focusing on today is his statements about how we speak. Specifically here, he's talking about complaining against one another. Um, and this, in 5.12, the... Sorry, yeah, um, you can just leave it on that slide. So it's, it goes to, but above all. So this statement comes after the one before it. That's what he's modifying. And I just wanted to make that clear because I was confused reading it for a second. Like he's making a new great commandment, but he's not. He's saying, here's the concluding statement on what you say. Therefore, but above all, my brethren, he says, this is important. Now he says that a lot through the chapter because this chapter is a very challenging one. We need to understand where James is coming from, where his heart is when he's speaking to us, when he's frankly giving us these commands. My brethren. He's not coming at us as a Lord. He's not coming at us even as a teacher. At least he's not saying he is. He's not coming at us even as a father. What he's saying is, my brethren, I am with you in this. 
We all need to do this. And especially with the last sentence in this, the, the last statement in this verse is a very, very challenging one. So we have to understand this is where he's coming from. We all go with that? Okay, next one. Do not swear either by heaven or by the earth or with any other oath. Um, and I'll just tack on the next one. But your yes is to be yes and your no, no. That's very original, right? Never heard it before. Actually, no, uh, shocker, he is quoting Jesus. James does that quite a bit. So this above, I'm sorry, um, let's go to Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Uh, another big verse, scripture here. Let's give some context, though. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill, fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, this is Jesus talking, but I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Now, some people have read this, uh, and throughout history, really, have come to the conclusion that this means we literally, black and white, cannot say anything to the effect of, I promise, or I swear, or I vow that, um, which has caused some trouble for people going into the military, people going to court, because you have to swear, I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And people object to that because of the words that say, you shall not make an oath. And I understand, I understand why people think that. But James, when he spoke in 5.12, quoting Jesus, who was speaking here, was not saying, you cannot make an oath. What he is saying is that you should not need to make an oath. He's focusing on the heart behind what you're saying. Right? It doesn't, it, it's not so much the words you say when, when you say, I'm going to do this. It's the heart. Now, why do I say that? I say that because Paul, several times throughout his epistles, makes an oath. He makes statements such as, I assure you before God that I am not lying. That's an oath. Jesus, in fact, quite a few times throughout his ministry, adds a statement saying, truly I say to you, and then he says what he was going to say, which is essentially what he's saying is, no, but seriously, guys, this is true. He's adding something to what he's saying. So we know that Jesus is not going to contradict his own statement, and we know that the Holy Spirit is not going to have Paul write something that contradicts Jesus, right? So if you look at the entire thing in context, what you see is the problem Jesus is addressing in this verse is not just that people are saying vows. The problem is they are saying them, and they are not keeping them. And I should maybe turn that back a little bit. What the problem is, that the, is they are considering vows to be more important than what you are saying under ordinary circumstances. Like if I say, I'm going to do this, but if I say to this person, I vow I'm going to do this, that one, I'm held to that one. That one's more important. And Jesus is saying, no, your word is important. So if you are in court, go ahead. If it makes people feel better, take that oath. That's okay. 
but it shouldn't make any difference to you whether they make you take that oath at all. Because what you say on that witness stand is going to be true. Period. So there's another point, and this is kind of a side issue, but it's really important. There's something in that, yes, yes, no, no, that's really, really important. What Jesus didn't say is, let your statement be yes, yes, anything beyond these is of evil. He put no there. It's okay to say no. There's a lot of pressure in our, in our community to be nice, to always be willing to do everything for everyone. But that's not what Jesus modeled. Jesus occasionally had to take time out, spend time with God. There, were at least, there was at least one occasion where people were actively looking for him, saying, Where, where's this Jesus guy? We want to be healed. There were people who needed Jesus, but Jesus needed time with God. Sometimes saying no is selfish. Maybe a lot of times saying no is selfish. And in those times, we need to be selfless. But it's important for us to consider, is the, are these situations, this thing someone is asking me to do, am I doing too much? Do I need to spend time with God? Do I need to spend time with my family? Do I need to relax a little bit? You know, the entire concept of a Sabbath, having a rest day, is that's an entire day of saying, no, I'm not going to do these things that are, are important. So, we go with that. So, let's go to the next one. So that you will not fall under judgment. You may not fall under judgment. This is where it gets really, really serious. This is not a light statement he's making. He's saying, don't make an oath. Let your statement be yes, and you mean yes, and no, and you mean no. Why? So that you will not fall under judgment. Now that seems kind of a contradiction because we know that faith saves us, right? What we say doesn't really affect our salvation, right? Well, to get some context for this, turns out he's kind of uh, subtly quoting Jesus. He does that a lot. So let's go to the verses where Jesus mentions this. He's speaking to Pharisees here, and he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus is saying something really big here. What he's saying is, your mouth speaks out of your heart. What you say is who you really are. So James and Jesus are not saying that if you say only good things, that's how you get salvation. What they're saying is what you say and your heart while saying it is what shows your faith. Remember a little while ago we talked about James 2 where he says that someone can say, I have faith, but if their actions don't show that, then they can be speaking empty words. Which is 
honestly kind of a tension, right? James is on one hand saying that words can be empty and meaningless, and on the other hand he's saying, like Jesus saying, your words are who you are. Well, the fact is that's still true. Because if you are kidding yourself, or you're lying to others, your words are still reflecting who you are. You're a liar. They may not know that, but God knows that. So there's no tension at all. What Jesus and James are saying is, your words reflect your heart, and your heart should be Christ-like. James is concluding his talk about talking with this because it's probably one of the, I think, most obvious things and the most transferable things about us and about our behavior is our words, right? People can completely miss things that we do, uh, but it's really easy to be quoted. We see that in our political environment today in the media. It's very easy to be quoted. And for that reason, our words are extremely important. It affects what he's saying here. Um, You can go to the next slide. What he's saying here is it affects everything we say. It affects who we are. Um, So let's go into some applications here. This is how it affects our relationship with God in looking up. This statement, let your yes be yes and your no, no. We need to be honest with God and with ourselves. Now, God knows, but it's important for us to come before him and say, I messed up, or fill in the blank. Whatever you're saying, God, I'm fine. I'm okay. Or this situation, I got this. Don't worry about it. Or, God, I really messed up, and I'm sorry. We need to be honest with God, and we need to be honest with ourselves. So, next application. In lean in, we need to be open with each other in what we say. And what we say is what we mean. Now, with this, this doesn't mean that we have to say everything that's on our minds, right? Because we already covered that a lot of times what's in our heart is not very good. There are things like gossip, things like lies like, oh, no, we're good. You know, I don't have a problem with you, when maybe we do, and maybe it's something that we need to address. There are all kinds of ways that we can speak, we can be honest in a way that is harmful, right? And that reflects our heart because we're being dishonest. We need to be open with each other in a Christ-like way. When something needs to be said, we say it, and we do so lovingly. Kindly. Now this is important because it helps us recognize in each other where we're at. And if we're lying to each other about where we're at, how can we really be a community? How can we grow? So there was a situation that I got myself into a long time ago. Really, really, really long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, I was uh, kind of fresh in the youth ministry here. And I had been enjoying it and, you know, being a part of it and volunteering my time. And uh, I get a call or a text from Tom K saying, hey, can we go get some coffee? I was like, oh, cool, I get coffee with Tom K. That is the last time (laughs) in my entire 
my entire life that I will hear Tom K say, let's get coffee, and me go, oh, cool, this is going to be great. <laughs> so we went to Old Town Restaurant, and we sat down, and he had just come back from a vacation or a break or something of that kind, and we kind of did some small talk, which I'm terrible at, and then I said, so how was your vacation? How was it? You know, how, how are you doing? He told me a little bit. Then we got down to business. And he said, David, so when I asked you to coffee, I was planning on saying, suggesting, commanding that you maybe try something other than youth ministry. Um, and the reason for that was because you are little self-centered. Now, this is not verbatim. He was, Tom K. was very, very kind about all this. Um, this, is, this, is, this is the gist of it. You're, you're extremely self-centered and you're a jerk. <laughs> and then he threw the coffee in my face and stormed out of the restaurant. <laughs> that is not what happened. He said, I called you here because you're, you're, the way that you're doing ministry, the way you're volunteering, the way that you interact with people is very self-centered. But you just asked me how I was doing. How did your vacation go? And what that tells me is, you're growing, thank God. <laughs> now the thing is, I cared, I did care about people, um, but it hadn't really gotten into my heart, right? Where my, my inclination was to be intentional about checking up on people, and make no mistake, I was really, really self-centered. There was, he, was, he was completely within his rights in what he was saying. But before that meeting, I was sitting out in the car thinking to myself, I should ask him how he's doing. Now, that may sound weird because maybe for all of you it's a perfectly natural thing to do and you don't have to think about it. I had to think about it, okay? I have to be intentional about that sort of thing. So I walked in and I sat down and was like, hey, how are you doing? I was that close, that close to having to not do youth ministry for that reason. What does that show? It shows that my words, which did come from my heart in that moment, showed Tom K that I was growing, if only a little bit. And years later, I think I've continued to grow in that. And I, am, I try to be very, very intentional in that. And because God has put in me a heart for the people around me. So that's why it's important for us to be honest and open with each other. Because if we have a problem with each other, we can't address it if we don't talk about it. Right? If we're dishonest about where we're at with God, we can't address that. We can't grow. Next slide. Reach out. We represent God in our actions and our words. This is why it's so important. It's so important. And this is why the hard statement, by your words you will be justified, by your words will be condemned, and let your yes be yes and your no no so that you may not fall under judgment. Because we represent God to the people around us. This is extremely important. God's word was a human being who was also God and had the name of Jesus and his word was who he was. We represent him. So our words should also represent him. This is not something to take lightly. So let's go back to what I mentioned, you know, that oath in the courtroom. You sit down on that witness stand, you take an oath, you sit down, and you speak. 
it is a crime for you to say something that is not true after you take that oath, after you sit down. From God's perspective, if you lie, if you break your word, if you, you know, promise thoughtlessly and you can't carry through it and you just kind of push it aside instead of really addressing that, apologizing and taking care of that, you are essentially committing perjury. If I say something and I don't follow through, as far as God is concerned, it is as serious as perjury because it reflects him to the people around us. Let's go to the next slide. What we say is who we are. That's what we should go home with today. So remembering the, the, what's on the next slide, what Jesus said, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. We shouldn't say everything that occurs to us to say. That's not being honest. That's being mean. But our heart should become more and more like Jesus because that's what he died and rose again to accomplish. And as he is more and more in us, what comes out will reflect him more and more and more. What we say is who we are. And who we are reflects Jesus to the world.